You are listening to Here Now Podcast, where we dive deep into faith, hearing loss, and lifestyle, and talk about all the things that you need to be equipped in this journey we call life. I'm your host, Sophia Labano, and this show is here for you to find encouragement in the everyday life that God created for you. Make sure to subscribe to never miss an episode. Thanks for your support. Now let's get into the show. Hi, you guys. What's up? Welcome back to another episode of Here and Now Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me this week. I am so excited to welcome Miss Kendra Tierney onto the show. Hi, Kendra. Thank you for joining us today. I'm so excited to have the audience hear all about your story and all about the fun things that you do. So why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself, where you're from, what you do, things you want people to know. All right. Well, thank you so much for having me. My name is Kendra Tierney. I am a wife and mother of 10 kids. I live in Los Angeles and I write a blog called catholicallyear.com and I have a book that is associated with it and a YouTube channel and social media and it's all basically about liturgical living in the home which is kind of my favorite. That's amazing. I can't believe you have 10 kids. So how, what are the age ranges of all your children? The youngest is one and the oldest is 18. And everybody is still home now because he is having to do his freshman year of college remotely from, uh, <laughs> yeah, from the office upstairs. It's super bummer. Oh, that's so sad. But that's so yeah. crazy. 10 kids. I can't believe it. So do you homeschool them all? Not all of them. I have two that are below uh, school age, and then I've got uh, four who are in homeschool, and then three that are at a that attend a local Catholic school and then one who's in college. That's crazy. Oh my gosh. I can't even believe it. 10 kids. That's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) So how about you and your husband? How long ago did you guys meet and how long have you been married? So we have, my oldest is 18. We've been married 19 years and we (laughs) have known each other for 20. So we met volunteering at a youth group uh, where I grew up in in San Diego, the youth group that I attended, but uh, we were both back volunteering as young adults and we met and got engaged within like two months of meeting and then married within a year and and moved and and found out we were expecting first baby and had a baby with us at our first anniversary dinner and it's just been a whirlwind ever since (laughs) i can't even imagine that's crazy that's so great i was gonna say was it like to homeschool during covid was it any sort of adjustment for you guys at all compared to what it was like before yeah. So, uh, I mean, there are definitely big, there are definitely things that are different because we, we have a really active, great homeschool group and we've got a weekly park day and we are used to going on field trips and, and things like that. But really, I feel like we were, you know, prepared for this situation yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, especially having to bring my, my school kids back home. So we had everybody at home and, you know, I work from home with my, with writing and, and making videos and things. And, and all of my public speaking is now from the house too, (laughs) but we really are in a, an enviable position of 
my life already being set up for that. I'm right. used to working in off hours, surrounded by my kids. Our house is set up for it. You know, I, I work from home. My husband has been going to work this whole time. He's He works in healthcare, and so he has been essential since mm-hmm. the beginning. And, you know, everybody has been saying how, well, you know, at least my husband's home all the time. <laughs> I can't say that because he's been busier than ever with all of this, mm-hmm. trying, you know, trying to sort out their response to all of this. And, yeah, but really I, I like having my, my kids in the home. I really enjoy sort of the family culture of homeschooling and, and, and you know, and, and, and being together. And so it's, it was a little bit of an, of an adjustment and we really do, we miss, I miss entertaining a lot yeah. because the, the big parties that we're used to throwing on a really mm-hmm. regular basis are still illegal in California. <laughs> the, the number of people that you're allowed to have over that are not in your household is still zero in Los Angeles. Oh my goodness. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, so it is really crazy. So we really miss that. But, mm-hmm. and even when you have 10 kids and you, tw- you know, 12 people that live in your house, your kids will still complain that you don't if you don't invite people over. <laughs> Our liturgical living celebrations have been just us mostly, but but again, we're we're set up we're set up pretty yeah. well for for this kind of thing. No, 100%. My sisters are homeschooled as well and I do college from home pre-covid too. Mm. So it was my brother that was really affected, but he's like I kind of like being home. Like it's really fun <laughs> and it's fine if I don't have friends to hang out with and stuff, but that's crazy. Only zero people. Wow. I love that. But I was going to say, talk about a liturgical living a little bit more. I love your book, Catholic All Year Compendium. What was it like to find all of these fun activities to celebrate such a kind of unknown part of Catholicism for people? Yeah, absolutely. It it really started for uh, for my husband and I when when we when our oldest kids were little, when we had, you know, maybe two or three kids and they the oldest were getting old enough that we're feeling like, all right, well, we want to teach the faith to our kids and how do we go about doing that? So even though my husband and I were both raised Catholic, had all our sacraments, but not with any of sort of, you know, liturgical year feast day celebrations, it was just, you know, all of our sacraments, mass every Sunday, our families were great about that, but, but that's sort of where it ended. And so we we're feeling inspired as we became parents to, to look deeper into it. And we knew, Hey, aren't there supposed to be days that we fast? Like, uh, I, I have rosaries. I don't know how to use them, you know? Um, <laughs> and so we, I started listening to, to podcasts and listening to, you know, and, and reading books and learning more about, about the more cultural aspects of Catholicism and the first thing we started was like, all right, we're going to do Lent. We're going to say the rosary. We're going to, you know, make our kids do all this stuff. We're going to give up stuff for, for Lent. We're going to learn how to fast. And the more I looked into it, the more I realized that, you know, going from lukewarm to, you know, to really strict was sort of felt like a natural progression, but it wasn't, it wasn't right. The mm-hmm. what's, because it's not a balanced picture of what our faith really is because the days of fasting are supposed to and seasons of fasting are supposed to lead to seasons of of joy and celebration and mm. especially in community so as we looked deeper into these faith traditions 
we realized, you know, I have to learn I, I, to not just do the fasting and the, you know, sit still and pay attention in mass. Sunday has to also be a day of joy and fun and family time and special meals. And, you know, we have to be able to do Lent, but we also have to learn how to celebrate Easter. We have to learn how to, to do these celebrations. And there's just all these great, hilarious, fun traditions that some of which are thousands of years old. Yeah. And to, to sort of, to discover this and realize this has always been here for us and and so many of us have never heard of any of it and it's just such a fun way to teach the faith and learn about the faith and be inspired and in a in a joyful complete kind of way yeah mm -hmm. what have been some of your favorite traditions that you guys have done from your book yeah so one that we really love and was was i think the first one that we started the first feast day that we celebrated by inviting a bunch of neighbors over with us was for Michaelmas, which mm -hmm. is September 29th. And it's a, you know, feast of St. Michael and the other, also the other uh, archangels now. But we, we had, I had the idea that we should have a devil pinata and, <laughs> and that we should hit the devil pinata with our wooden swords. And if we triumph over him, then, you know, you get the sweet reward <laughs> of, of the candy. And so that was really the first thing that was like, I'm going to do this weird old, you know, I'm going to celebrate this weird old timey holiday that I've read about in Jane Austen books, Yeah, but I'm going to do it in a very me, like, let's make a homemade devil <laughs> pinata and invite the neighborhood over kind of way. <laughs> and now, and we've done it every year since. I mean, it, it's got to be with the same cardboard box pinata, which yeah, must oh be goodness. 12 years old now. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That sounds like so much fun. I guess we'll have to do that this year. I remember for, I think it was St. John the Baptist feast day. Do you guys, do all of your kids participate in the weird like food kind of traditions like that too? Yeah, absolutely. So for the feast of St. John the Baptist in, in June 24th, I think. Mm -hmm. And, but you normally celebrate it on the eve. That's the tradition yeah. is to celebrate it on the 23rd with bonfires right and and you got to have something to eat and what does saint john the baptist eat he eats honey and wild locusts and <laughs> locusts are crickets and so you can get crickets are a uh, a usually consumed food in a lot of places in the world and yeah. even in mexico and there's a lot of mexican grocery stores near where i live so they're pretty easy to come by but you can also get them on Amazon. And it, <laughs> it is so fun to have a bunch of people over and, and dare them to eat crickets so that they can get a, a honey stick. Oh my gosh. But again, it's, it, so we're learning about the saint's life. We're having important conversations, but we're also creating these fun memories and, and you know, and, and these things that we come back to year after year. And now my kids will totally eat crickets no problem at all and it's not even like it's it's not a dare you thing anymore now they're like oh yeah crickets we eat them um, but we like to invite new people over so yeah. we can shock and horrify them that's amazing <laughs> that's so much fun i was gonna say did your kids participate as you were kind of making this book did they help along the process of like oh let's do something fun like this or was it all your idea well a lot of uh, it it's sort of uh, like i was explaining with with michaelmas 
that a, a lot of times I find these old traditions from different mm -hmm. countries and different times, but I always sort of tweak them for what's going to work yeah. for our family and for now. And so my kids have definitely been a big part of, of what's going to work for us and what's fun. One thing that I, speaking of Michaelmas again, the traditional food to eat for Michaelmas is goose. And that's what they talk about, like the Michaelmas goose. And they, my family basically has insisted that we not, that I not cook a goose for us for Michaelmas. <laughs> so I never have, but I did the first time I tried to throw this Michaelmas party, I actually special ordered a goose from the grocery store and it just didn't ever come in. So they were, there was great rejoicing. And so I just <laughs> made chicken or, uh, or game hen instead. But yeah, especially as the kids have gotten older and now we have teenagers and sometimes I'll be busy on a project or something and they'll look at the calendar and they'll say, Hey, isn't it, you know, Saint yeah. whatever day, uh, today, do you have the, whatever food it is? They're like, Oh no, I don't. But now I've got kids who can go to the grocery store yeah. and pick stuff up. And I have a, a couple kids who are just as into, you know, party planning and, yeah. and, and cooking as I am. And so they'll sometimes take over the whole thing, which is really great because it allows them even as, as teenagers to, to, to still want to be involved because they, they want to share these things with the littler kids. Mm -hmm. which is Absolutely. Fun. Yeah. No, I was going to say the same thing that it just seems so much fun to like, look, Oh, oh my gosh, there's such a special feast day today. Like what can we do? And even for like the smaller ones um, that are not as well known, I feel like that would be so much fun. So was there a lot of research that you yeah, had to we do? Have... <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, a ton of. Well, let me jump back for a second yeah. and say that uh, that I talk in the book about you know the the more complicated things, the more traditional things, the things that that have been celebrated, particular foods that have been eaten in honor of, the, of particular saints' days. But we don't always do it like that. I have a standing mm -hmm. rule that we only eat dessert on feast days. So whether or not it's a feast that I was planning something for, if the kids want to look into the life of the saint and give a little saint report yeah. at dinner, then we're allowed to have dessert. <laughs> so, so they do, they take me up on that one sometimes, especially if they, you know, if there's a dessert they want. Yeah. But yeah, it took a lot of research. It was, I mean, it took years to, to, to finish writing that book. And, and then of course, you know, as soon as I would, that submitted the manuscript I'd find out about you know three new cool things that, <laughs> like oh <laughs> but you know I, I feel like it's a it's a pretty good overview as it is and the nice thing is that you know there's no one right way to do it and and that you can definitely just sort of tweak whatever your family traditions are to sort of go with with whatever a feast day is and if you know we we tend to not go out we we don't eat out a lot we more eat home but you know if you do eat out there's no reason you couldn't go to a mexican restaurant yeah. for the feast of the mexican martyrs so, right. and you know it's just it's about starting the conversation and 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 learning about about the lives of the saints and these events in the lives of the holy family and the early church that that the that the church specifically puts on the calendar so that we will learn about them so that, that we'll have this, you know, shared knowledge about, about 
the saints and about the early church and, and that we can be inspired by those things in our lives today. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that I love the most about the saints is how inspiring and so much, like they just offer so much, I guess, of a model for us as things that they've done in the past, but they're also human too. And so we can know that it's okay to make mistakes and that they still end up in heaven in the right place in the end anyway. So what was the wildest I guess, tradition or thing that you found in the book? Well, I, I mean, the, the, the bonfires for St. John the Baptist are just so moving to me because you can find these old, like, woodcuts and etchings and stuff of, of these hillsides in Europe where every different family is on a different spot on the hill with their own little bonfire. And just the idea that that, that that tradition is thought to go back to before the year 1000 mm -hmm. that, and, and the idea that like that, that liturgical living has like, they, they have a, a record of it, before, you know, then, and, and, and it seemed like it was already an established tradition at that point. So, you know, this, this idea that, that, that we're sharing in traditions like that, that are, that are so, you know, that are so old and, and, mm -hmm. and, and, and have gone through so many generations and, and so many places in the world. But the weirdest one is in, that I know of is in Malta. And I think that they actually do it maybe in like Boston or someplace mm -hmm. on the East coast too for, and I, I'm going to get this wrong, but I think it's the feast of St. Peter, which is in the summertime. Saints, I think it's Saints Peter and Paul, but they have like a giant telephone pole and they extend it, uh, it's like 20 feet in the air or something, and they grease it, and then the person <laughs> has to run, try to run down this greased pole and make it all the way to the end, uh, and then obviously you fall off into the water, but you have to like run down it to the end, <laughs> and nobody really knows what that has to do with St. Peter, but except that I guess, you know, he was a fisherman, and they are fishing, it's yeah. just, like it's, it's in like port villages that they do it. And I guess it would have been amassed, you know, at the, <laughs> at the time, but it's just so bonkers and people fall down and it looks like it really hurts. <laughs> so I don't have plans to incorporate that one into our liturgical yeah. living, but my kids would very much like to see it live. No, I think that would be so much fun. I'd be down for that too. <laughs> That's so much fun. Um, so kind of shifting from the book to blogging, how long ago did you start blogging on um, Catholic All Year? Uh, I think it was 2000. 13 maybe yeah. Okay, to, yeah right when right when everybody started saying that blogs are dead I, I decided to start one <laughs> I think it's probably the opposite now I think everybody has a blog what kind of inspired you to start blogging and then kind of making this transition to compiling everything into a book yeah it's it's kind of how I do everything in my life which is just <laughs> like on a gut feeling and on a total whim and yeah so my my spiritual director had had suggested or instructed me basically to write a book because I had been complaining to him as I was helping my oldest son prepare for his first confession. And I was complaining that there weren't any books that I liked to, for, you know, for preparing him at home for his first confession. And so my spiritual director, you know, don't complain to your spiritual director, right? Because <laughs> he told me to write one. And 
I was like, oh, all right, fine. I'll write one. So I wrote, I wrote this book and it, it is a book now. It's called A Little Book About Confession for Children. And so I wrote the manuscript in like a couple of weeks and I sent it out to two different publishers, which you're not supposed to do. You're only supposed to send it to one. <laughs> um, but I sent it to two and they both accepted it. And then I decided to go with Ignatius Press. And, but no book publishing experience has ever gone more smoothly and easily yeah. than, than that did. And I was like, oh, wow, you know, this is so easy. I should just write all the books. <laughs> <laughs> so I tried to write a couple other like secular picture book type books and send those out to secular publishers and no one was interested in those. Yeah. And so it was not as, you know, 100% easy as I thought it was going to be. But as the confession book was in the production process, that, you know, I kept having to fill out information forms and like, what's your platform? You know, how do you, how do you like, I don't have a platform. Like I, I have my kids, um, I'm in a homeschool group. But so I decided just because I had this book coming out, I was going to start a blog. And, and then I had a silly situation happen to me where some like lady yelled at me in mass because my baby was being noisy. <laughs> And I was like, she is mean. I should write a blog about it. Um, <laughs> so that was my very first blog post was uh, me trying to come to terms with the mean church lady. And, and then, yeah, it just sort of went from there. And it's always been just about sort of whatever I feel like writing about. <laughs> it, was, it, it was called Catholic All Year because I always meant it to be, you know, sharing these liturgical traditions because – when I first started looking for this stuff back in 2013, I could really only find sort of craft based things that were meant more for like religious ed directors mm -hmm. and CCD classes and stuff, which is great and awesome. And those still exist and are out there, but I am just not a sit my kids down for organized craft time kind of person. Yes. So I wanted it to be more focused on food and conversation, which mm -hmm. is, which, is what we do as a family, yeah. you know, food and prayer and conversation is really the focus that I wanted. So, so I decided I better start one because what, what I wanted didn't seem to exist, but, but really there were a few, a handful of bloggers that were not Catholic that I followed pretty regularly. And back in 2013, there was a lot of community around particular blogs and in mm -hmm. the comment boxes. And so I, I wanted to create that for liturgical living and, yeah. and, and it, it, it did, it happened pretty quickly and, and pretty organically. And, you know, that I, I know a bunch of people who were, you know, who found my blog really early and who still follow it. And, and so now it's on social media and YouTube and everything yeah. too, and a book, but, but my blog is kind of neglected right now for the past few months <laughs> while I'm working on other projects, but that's still the heart of it. And I will definitely be back there. No, absolutely. That's amazing. When did you start to, I guess, expand onto other platforms because it had been so long ago just to have a blog, you know? Yeah, I started a Facebook account because I, I started the blog, but so I was a very late adopter of, of Facebook, but, <laughs> but, you know, yeah. And then Instagram came along. I still, you know, I still think that people who are interested in, you know, in, in getting a message out who have something, some sort of evangelization that God has put on their heart. I still think blogs and, and sort of the email list is, is the, 
medium by which where you can have the most control over your message. So, you know, social media is so easy and that's why a lot of people do it. And, but, but you don't really have control over who sees your, your, your Mm -hmm. posts and, you know, and they can just, you know, shut you down anytime you want. So if you're what they call, you know, they refer to as microblogging, these people who are Mm -hmm. only on Instagram or only on Facebook and again, it's so easy to reach people and so easy to build your platform like that, but it could all go away at any moment. So I, I really do feel like the, you know, the blog is still the heart of, of what I do and, and the, and the way to, that I like to reach people. I also haven't have emails that I started just a few months ago where every two weeks my assistant and I put together a roundup of all the feast days that are coming up and what mm-hmm. we do because my habit is to just post about it that morning on yeah. Facebook, which for everyone but me is not enough time to decide what they're, <laughs> you know, to decide that they're throwing a party tonight. But that's how I roll. So, <laughs> you know, that's how I do it. That's why people are always ask me like, why don't you give us more notice? Like, cause I didn't notice until this morning that it was the feast day and I'm going to the store right now to get the stuff. <laughs> but yeah. So if you want a little more advanced notice, you can sign up for the emails now. So yeah, <laughs> all the links for her will be in the show notes <laughs> below for sure. But no, I think that's amazing. And I, I love the whole the spontane, spontaneity thing we were talking about <laughs> before we jumped on here. No, I, I'm totally a last minute party planner. That's just how it will too. That's super fun. Yeah, so I agree with the whole thing on blogging um, and social media. My mom and I were just talking about it the other day that Instagram and Facebook could all just disappear in a second and you kind of have your own blog to kind of house everything. So what are some of the other things besides just, you know, the compendium and like the feast days and stuff? What other things do you talk about on your blog and social media? I try to talk about, you know, Catholic culture stuff, Catholic living, homeschooling, since that's all that's been a part of our life ever since I started the blog, I do a lot of like movie and book reviews on there. Not, you know, not as recently, but, but yeah, just basically it's, it's just sort of a look into our, our actual lives, which, which I I did on purpose because we've been so fortunate in the places that we live to have really good Catholic families as part of our community and, and that I was able to, you know, watch their families and learn, you know, and, and be able to see how, how their big family works and, and is possible because, you know, like, like you, you know, we're saying at the beginning, it's, it's shocking to have 10 kids and, you know, a person, <laughs> I, I, I grew up with one sister. So, you know, a person might think, how is that even possible? <laughs> and so I've always sort of tried to give, an, an open sort of look at what, you know, what our family life looks like. So I don't know, again, not, it's harder to do when, when your platform gets bigger and bigger, yeah. you know, I, I think 10,000 followers is, is just about right. When, <laughs> now, you know, with 30,000, it, it just gets harder to act, to reply to everybody and yeah. feel like you, you know, actually know people and, and you get more people who get mad at you about stuff. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, so. 
Yeah, I was I really gonna... have sort of tried to be open. No, absolutely. It's it's definitely difficult to be open on social media for sure. <laughs> but I was going to say, what does a typical day in the life look like for you guys with 10 children? <laughs> well, I mean, as far as for, for me, for my work schedule, I get up uh, really crazy early in the morning so that the house will be quiet. So I get up at like three o'clock in the morning yeah. usually and work until we start. So the rest of the kids get up around 6.30 and get ready for our school day, which starts at eight. Somebody, I will often end up with the two littlest just sort of crawling around uh, in the office with me while I'm uh, working on recently footnotes and, and stuff on uh, on a book I'm almost done with. And yeah, so much of it is typed holding a baby or, you know, being yes. circled by babies. <laughs> and, and then, so we, then we start school at eight and, and since I just, my, my oldest grade right now is sixth. And so we're really usually able to get through all, everything that I need to do with them by noon. Mm-hmm. So we really, we, we do about four hours of school a day between, you know, with me bouncing around between all the kids. And I really try to not do, not to try to work while I'm doing mm-hmm. homeschool because then I do both of them badly. Um, <laughs> I try to also stay off of social media while I'm doing homeschool because, you know, if you were teaching in the classroom and you're like on Facebook, <laughs> people would get mad. So I try to. Get, extend my kids that same courtesy but of course if you go back and look at what time I'm posting stuff <laughs> I'm not 100% I'm not 100% effective at that but I do I do try and I'm mostly off of my phone then and then we do lunch and then little kids go down for a nap and I take a nap so that I can get mm-hmm. up at three o'clock in the morning and the big kids can finish up their schoolwork and then in the afternoon they usually get to watch a show after the little kids wake up from naps and then the afternoon is housekeeping stuff, errands, getting ready for dinner, making dinner. And then when the husband gets home, then we have dinner together and, you know, sort of family time in the evening and then little kids go to bed and then I go to bed uh, <laughs> after that. And then it starts all over again. Oh my goodness. That's crazy. That must be super fun and loud <laughs> to live in your house though. <laughs> That's so, that seems kind of fun, though. One of the things that I was going to say is my favorite series, I guess, that you have on your blog and your Instagram was creating a family chapel in your house. So do you want to talk a little bit about kind of the process of creating that, what it's like to have it in your house, et cetera? Yeah. So when we we moved three or four years ago now into into this house, and it was specifically because we wanted my oldest son to be able to go to this small faithful Catholic school that, that has, it has an elementary and a high school, but we wanted to be able to go to high school there. And so we spent a year driving in 45 minutes in, well, 45 minutes home, more like an hour to get there. And while we were looking for a house to buy so that we would be closer to the school. And so we found this house and it's this old 1920, house. It was very dilapidated. It had been flooded. It, it was full of bees. I mean, it was just oh my it's this beautiful old house with really great bones, but 
but yeah, it was just a mess, but we were walking through it, like crunching on dead bees (laughs) as we were walking through the house and we go upstairs and there's this weird old, like storage room off of, off of a back room. And, but it has this cathedral ceiling in it and wooden, you know, like the shiplap walls, which is not common in, I know it's all over in Texas. (laughs) We don't have that in California, but, and it was right when fixer upper was super cool. So I had shiplap (laughs) and this this cathedral ceiling, but we just looked at it and it had these, this like little tiny window and it really just looked like a chapel. And that's kind of, I mean, I already knew I wanted this crazy broken down house, my it's a wonderful life dreams coming true. (laughs) But, but it just, it just screamed out to be a chapel. So, you know, we did, we hired a contractor for, for some major stuff like replacing windows. And, but, but when that ran out, you know, I was the one who was doing all the painting and all the decorating of the, of the whole house. So I decided that, you know, as always, anything worth doing is worth overdoing. So I got myself a Cricut cutting machine. So it allows you to design things and then you send it to this machine and it, and it cuts out what you've designed on the computer. So you can cut out on adhesive vinyl. So I was able to make all these custom stencils of Bible verses to, that, that are on the you know wooden siding and there's St symbols all over the floor it, it sounds wacky but it kind of works <laughs> if you if you if you find it if you if you want to look for it on on instagram if you search hashtag gramblewood mm-hmm. g-r-a-m-b-l-e-w-o-o-d which is just sort of an inside joke of what we were always gonna what we decided we were gonna call our estate when we ever got one <laughs> which we, you know we never expected to end up in a big house with land, but we did. And so it's called, we call it Gramblewood. So if you look for Gramblewood, you can find the, the, the chapel, but it's been so nice to have that space sort of set apart in the house. And, you know, I really loved doing the work on it and I love that it's beautiful, but, but that's not really the point. The point is to have some place that's set apart in the house where everybody can, can go and just have quiet prayer time if they need it. And it's especially, I think, important in, in our big family that, you know, the kids all, it was important to us that they share rooms. And so all the, you know, I've got five boys in one room and five and uh, four girls in another. And the baby has her, has (laughs) a storage closet that she uh, sleeps in, you know, but so we're, uh, you know, when, when we sit in the schoolroom together, the, we, the kids never do screens alone. They always have to have a buddy. So, you know, the, the, the place for alone time in our house is, is the chapel. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's so that if you need, you know, if you need a place that's quiet, if you need to be by yourself and and your prayer and your thoughts and, and God, then, then that place is there for you. I love that so much. Do you guys ever get to celebrate mass in your chapel? um, We have, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, and especially we had had a couple masses in it before all of the COVID stuff went down. But then in California, at first they shut down public masses, but private masses were still allowed. And so our pastor was coming and saying masses every week at our house. Ooh. It was really awesome. Then they shut that down and and maybe he stopped coming or maybe he didn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
yeah, it, so it, it was great to, yeah. you know, to have that. And then, and even when we weren't actually having masses, but with, when the, even when we, we didn't have a priest who would come, we still were able to, you know, go through the readings and, and have that, you know, and then on, so on Easter, we, you know, had our little pretend, uh, not <laughs> pretend, but you know, our little family prayer yeah. um, time because we couldn't be at the mass. So yeah, I, I will. Oh, and, and my daughter had her first communion. Oh uh, my goodness. In, yeah. In the chapel at, with, yeah, with the priest there. So that is a very special memory for yeah. us to, that she got to have her first communion in our home chapel. That's so cool. Do you guys get to have adoration in your chapel as well? We have never had adoration. We, we actually have looked into what it would take to reserve the blessed sacrament mm-hmm. in, in the chapel. And, you know, it, it is a very good thing that they are very careful about yeah. that because, you know, we would, of course, always want to treat the Eucharist with great reverence. It's something that you can apply for, but apparently in Los Angeles anyway, they almost never grant it. There are a couple of there are a couple of sort of side angles <laughs> that you can take that we've considered, and you know, my husband still might look more into it at some point. But Jesus has been there; he's just not ever, you know, stayed. <laughs> but yeah, so th- that it would be so amazing. But we haven't yeah. we haven't had uh, Jesus exposed in the monsters or anything here, just just at mass. Right. But I would love it if we could figure out a way to reserve the the sacrament here long-term, that would be really great. And we do, you know, in normal circumstances, we actually, I mean, we have a lot of, of Catholic events and clubs and that's, you know, when my husband and I decided, all right, we're going to get this big crazy house with the big yard and, you know, we'll, we'll just host everything. So, so we do. And I have in normal years, I host a women's conference here for 300 people and, so I think we could, you could make a case that we are a, you know, a Catholic place with a lot of Catholic events. So we might be able to get it at some point. No, that would be so much fun. I think that would be absolutely amazing. And it'd be so cool. And I love the fact that you guys have a chapel. That would be, that's so cool. So do you have any fun special projects coming up that you kind of want to hint at and talk about a little bit? <laughs> yeah, so I actually have two books that are coming out soon. I haven't officially announced either either one yet, but I'm really excited about both of them. One is coming out in the fall, and it's uh, specifically geared towards Advent. And then I have another one coming out next spring that that you know is also very on brand and and, and that um, will be something anybody who likes the compendium. This is sort of really it's really to go alongside it and help with liturgical living in the home. So I'm really excited about that. And then I have also recently been working on, on creating these little saint calendars every month that, that have been really helpful for, for our family in our, in our homeschooling. And I know so many people are doing homeschooling that haven't before. So I just create a little clip art medallion that has different saint symbols or helps tell the story of a saint in, in, you know, cute little pictures that the kids mm-hmm. like looking at. And then I make a little, you know, short one paragraph description of, of the saint. And so those come out a new, a new one uh, comes out every month and those go out to my, my Patreon 
subscribers just because that's an easier way for me to yeah. get things to people. <laughs> They're sort of automatically subscribed to it. But that's something that, that I really, I, I love putting, putting those together and finding e- e- things that are gonna, you know, make kids curious. I, I love yeah. when, when I see the kids up there looking at the different symbols and trying to figure out what the story of the saint is yeah. based on, uh, on what little, you know, images I, I picked for it. So those have been really fun and I, and have been really helpful, you know, for our family. So it's something I want to share with people. <laughs> no, absolutely. That's so much fun. So again, all the links will be down below for you to check out. And so my last question is where can readers connect with you and find you on social media? Yeah. So I have two different Instagram accounts. One is under my name, Kendra Tierney, and that is just sort of life, you know, our, our life stuff. And the other one is Catholic all year. And that's where I do, you know, sort of more graphic design and saint quotes uh, and things like that. And then I'm over on Facebook. I'm on Pinterest. My, my uh, assistant, Grace, will be mad if I don't mention that because she has been doing amazing work on getting all of my stuff onto Pinterest because uh, that's not something that I uh, had in an at all organized way. <laughs> so she has been fixing all that up. So if you like Pinterest, you can now find my stuff in a way that makes sense. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I'm not, I'm only sort of by name only on any of the other social media sites. So I'm mostly active on, on Instagram and Facebook and Pinterest. Perfect. Perfect. And where can we buy your book if anybody's interested? It's available anywhere. If you want to support Catholic publishing, you can buy it from Ignatius.com. Otherwise it's also, you know, on Barnes and Noble and Amazon. Perfect. All right. Well, I think if you have anything else you want to add, feel free. But again, I just wanted to thank you so much for coming on the show this week. I'm super excited that I was able to connect and you were able to tell everybody a little bit about your behind the scenes and living with 10 kids, of course, and (laughs) writing your book. So make sure you guys check out all of the links down in the show notes for Kendra. Thank you so much. And I will see you guys next time. Thank you for joining me. Thanks so much. Bye, guys. (laughs) 